I interrupt the regular programming on this channel in order to expose to you the darkest topics to date. Trigger warning, today's content involves pedophilia, involves dark web, involves abuse of children, exploitation of minors, pornography, in two different stories. So I will have timestamps when it comes to like the darkest parts of these stories, but if this is not something you want to listen to right now, it's fine. I'm gonna leave another video in the description notes. I have lighter videos, I promise. But this has come to my attention about a week ago, I would say. I saw this TikTok of a guy exposing Pornhub for the exploitation of minors and like a recent lawsuit. And I kind of just stopped like on that page. I liked the video and I was like, okay, no, I need to develop on that story from like the true crime perspective. Ever since then I have been thinking about this story every single day and I'm the person that until I get it out of my system it will actually like bother me every single day. Until I answer all of the questions that in my head need to be answered and when I looked online there is no compilation as such in one video and when researching this, and even when stitching that TikTok, this case reminded me a lot of the case of Peter Scully, the Australian pedophile, and the story about Daisy's destruction. So I thought, why not combine the information on both so that you can see them side to side and see sort of the parallels and the similarities, because trust me, there are a lot. And it's sort of an expose to show if we don't do something, if the justice system, if the law and the courts of law don't find websites like Pornhub exploiting minors accountable, where it can possibly lead to. Now that you have my thought process behind literally every single video I ever made, let's actually dive into the story of the day. Imagine being in this situation. You are a prospective model looking for a job, just a photo shoot, just something to get by. And you don't want to look for an agency. You don't want to pay the extra fees. You're at a point where you're quite desperate though. You have been looking at different websites, you have been looking for different ads, and you just don't seem to find the ads that pays you enough for you to get by. So you resort to going onto Craigslist. Luckily for you here, you apply for this job, you get it, you go complete it, you get paid. But then a couple of months after, people in your vicinity notice that your mental health has severely diminished. You seem very much withdrawn. You seem to be hiding something. You are most probably suffering from anxiety and depression. And on top of all of that, some friends or family of yours found videos of you online performing pornographic acts on websites such as Pornhub. This results in either your friends exposing you to a member of your family, for example, or a family member just browsing for porn online and finding a video with you in it. Well, this has been reality for so many people. I would like to tell you exactly how many people, but unfortunately, Pornhub doesn't make it available for you to see how old the victims in these videos really are. Whether they're 14, 15, like many people this story has exposed once it has come out, or whether they're of legal age and have actually consented to making those videos. 
All I can tell you is that the current number of plaintiffs in the suit against Pornhub is 50 at the moment. It has kind of risen from 40 to 50 just in the past couple of months, so this just means it's on the rise and there are a lot more women that haven't even come forward. In each of these cases, offenders have been arrested, but Pornhub hasn't been held accountable. Because just like in so many stories, there is always a leeway within law. And here, the leeway comes under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which kind of protects the internet platforms where members can post content. So think freedom of speech in a way, or like freedom of what you can post online because they assume that you had consent to post those videos without actually proof-checking on that. Let's go in-depth into this story, just so you can get a sense of how these people actually ended up being victimized this way. And for that, we go back to the scouting stage. So remember how I was saying these victims that ended up being minors after people have researched this? Most of the expose actually came from this article by New York Times called Children of Pornhub, which is such a powerful title and so freaking eerie. So if you want to look for specific ages and certain victim names, they will be there. I won't be mentioning any victim names out of the respect for them and not to like re-victimize them again in this video. So I just wanted to make that clear. So as an aspiring model, you return to Craigslist and there you will see the ads for these different fake websites, such as Begin Modeling or Modeling Geeks or Modeling Work or Bubblegum Casting. What you wouldn't know is that behind all of these casting websites is really a trafficking ring. I mean, let's call it for what it is. But it's better known on the internet as girls do porn. On the surface, they ask the models to be between the ages of 18 and 22. And on the internet, if you were to have searched those ads at the time, they would have asked for some documentation as well to prove that they were indeed of that age. These recruiters were pretty smart in terms of techniques. They always used the most generic American names like Mike, Mark, Jonathan, Ben, while recruiting and also during the shooting. And what they would tell these victims is that the videos won't be uploaded online on the internet. They're just going to be distributed via DVDs. Not just that, but not to fear, they won't be distributed anywhere in the US. No, North America, not at all. Mostly just like in independent stores in countries like Australia, New Zealand. So there's no way that anybody's going to find these videos online at all. In certain approaches, the recruiters would go to these women and tell them it is a porn video, but again, it's just going to be distributed in physical copies in independent stores, very limited opportunities for sale. But in certain ones, they manipulated women. If they didn't want to accept that, then they would just say, no problem, no problem whatsoever. Let's not waste this opportunity. You have great looks, you have great modeling potential. It would be such a pity to waste it. Listen, we are just gonna fly you out for a modeling shoot. We are gonna pay for your hotel, for the flights, everything included. And then on top of that, you also get paid for this shoot. You have nothing to lose. Of course, we're going to be as accommodating as humanly possible here. 
Once these women were to say yes to the initial recruiters, you know, the Bens, the Johns, the Mikes, then the second stage of the recruiting would begin, and they would be passed on to what were called reference girls. These reference women were hired in particular to lie and do just about anything to pass these women over the threshold and get them to that place in San Diego, to that hotel where they would be shooting everything. And they would be paid between $25 to around $200 for every contract, for every woman that they would onboard. Just some tactics they would deploy, they would jump on texts, on video calls to answer any questions that these women would have. They would give them different stats, like they would give them information that they wanted, such as that their videos have definitely never been distributed in the US. I'm not sure how they would back up any of the information that they would give, but if you consistently lie to somebody, if you're consistently available to them 24-7 to just answer any questions, you build rapport, you make that person feel comfortable. They would tell them the shoots are just going to be 30 minutes long and we fly you out and we pay for everything. For what? For 30 minutes of your time. That's nothing. And then you are on your way back home. Nobody's really seeing these videos. So there was a lot of manipulation involved to get them over the threshold. In most cases, this convincing stage would take around six months just for these women to earn this small-ass commission and to lie to the victims just to get them to this place of the shoot. Once these reference girls spent months convincing prospective victims to actually do travel to the shooting location, and once they would make it there, well, then they would have to sign non-disclosure agreements. And these NDAs would be strategically written in either extremely complicated legal terms that even you and I would not understand, or they would be about 180 pages long, and then you're like just sitting there, you know that your shoot is just supposed to be 30 minutes, you're like, might as well sign it. Or another typical strategy was to get them intoxicated or just high, and then be like, oh, just, just sign it and let's get on with it. These NDAs had clauses not permitting women to leave the shooting locations until the videos are made, forcing them to perform certain sexual acts even when they decline to do it, or saying they're not going to be paid or allowed to leave until they perform certain sexual acts. Now on to the actual filming, because after months and months of trying to actually get these women to illegally participate in this, of course, they're not going to let this part go off easily. Filming would most of the times last around seven or eight hours, not 30 minutes like they were promised. They were, of course, forced to perform any sexual acts that came up to them that these producers thought the public wanted to see. And if they wanted to leave, well, there was either an actual physical bouncer, like physical person, at the door, or they would remind them, well, you're obliged, you have signed the NDA, you can't leave now, you're not going to get paid. And not just that, but we are going to ask you to pay us back for the hotel room, for this whole experience, for the plane ticket. You have to pay us back for all of that as well. Now would be the good time for me to just address what sex trafficking actually entails, just so that there's nobody in the comments, even after I told you all about the recruiting process and how 
long these victims were technically just manipulated into all of this, just so that there's nobody in the comments saying, well, they could have still left. Even with this information in the back of their head, they could have still left and then just told their family about all this situation. They probably wouldn't have been made to pay for their plane tickets, for the hotel room, for all of that. Just so you understand like the level of manipulation. Sex trafficking is defined by the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000 as the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, obtaining, patronizing, or soliciting of a person for the purpose of a commercial sex act. It can involve use of force, fraud, coercion to make the adult engage in commercial sex acts. In other words, in the ones that are sold for profit. Tactics that these people use in order to establish the power and control are coercion and threats, so threatening to harm the victim, harm the family, to expose or shame them, to report them to police, to immigration, for breaching NDA, for nothing else. Intimidation, emotional abuse, playing mind games with them or making them feel guilty or blaming them for the situation. Isolation is an important one here, keeping them confined, not letting them know where exactly they're going to be, which hotel they're going to be placed at, so that nobody can come and get them and help them out. In these cases, controlling how these victims will leave the hotels as well. In certain cases, even after the shoot would take like seven, eight hours, they still weren't to leave unless they're accompanied by somebody from Girls Do Porn, from the company, and they're then going to transport them to the airport or wherever for them to actually return home. Denying that anything illegal is happening, making sure there are all these pretend contracts for them to sign in order for them to save their own ass. Sexual abuse, treating the victim as the object for their own monetary gain. Normalizing any sexual act they're going to perform with them and selling sex. Physical abuse in these particular cases when the women would object because they would start bleeding or they would be uncomfortable, they would be in pain, then the producers would tell them it is too late now. You have already signed this NDA and as I mentioned, there was like a physical barrier so they couldn't really exit that hotel room to begin with. And finally, the economic abuse, creating this debt that can never be repaid in the eyes of the victim or something that might not have been covered in those NDAs was, well, the actual pay. It would kind of be like a range. So they would make sure that they minimize what they actually pay them for these services. And then they would say, well, we have actually paid for your flight, for the accommodation. Why should we pay you in full for these 30 minutes that you have promised us when we can pay you the actual bare minimum that we are obliged by this contract? It goes without saying that these videos were widely distributed on the web. They weren't just on DVDs. They weren't just in independent stores. And as soon as publicized, they would start receiving immediate harassment by anybody who would recognize them. They would lose their jobs. They would be ostracized from their family. If they were in college, they would be expelled from college, from university. Their mental health was on the decline because of all of this, and they were just constantly harassed. Because one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that these videos are also downloadable. 
So even if you as a victim go ahead to be re-victimized again, you go online, you report the content, you say, this is my face in the video, this is definitely me, you need to take it down. Even if Pornhub is like, okay, girl, yeah, we will take it down. Well, some creep on the internet probably already downloaded it and they can just re-upload it as themselves because then that makes them profit because they are the person behind the video. They are uploading it again. And then what? You you can spend... There are some victims from these articles that would literally go online every day looking for videos of themselves just to like report it over and over again. Getting re-victimized over and over again. Just to get somebody to notice it, to remove them forever. But you can't when somebody can actually download this content and then they can distribute it privately or publicly again. On top of that, remember how at the beginning of the video I said that Pornhub would have removed all of these videos by now? Well, yes. Well, that didn't happen until the girls do porn bosses have been arrested by the FBI in 2019. Girls do porn, unfortunately, isn't the only way this kind of exploitation could happen. Even at baseline, if you think about something as simple, like I know multiple people that have sent nudes to a guy that they have liked. And you probably know somebody as well, because this is a lot more common and we also speak about it a lot more than we do about sex trafficking. On the flip side, let's say you have sent some form of a nude video to the guy you liked. He, either because he's a perv and doesn't understand the repercussions of his actions, either shared it with multiple people or immediately shared it online. Or in the form of revenge porn, you might have been dating somebody, might have sent some sort of compromising content to them while dating, and then after that relationship ended, they have just uploaded it online or just shared it privately, and somebody, one of their other creepy friends and questionable characters, reported that kind of content to Pornhub. Then again, you are in the vicious circle because no matter how many times you go onto Pornhub, you ask them to remove it, they remove it, either somebody else redownloaded it, or one person from that initial group can re-upload it again and again and again. I probably don't have to tell you that the victims that usually do send these pictures are teenagers. Whether they're on the early teen spectrum or the late teen spectrum, Pornhub doesn't really care as long as you upload it under teen because that is the most popular search on the website for the past six years. In this particular situation, a lot of victims will be minors. They will still be in school or college. So there is the issue of blackmail as well by these teens, by people who are constantly re-uploading it on the internet, who have shared it, whether in the form of revenge porn or just because they're cunts. And then they would also be holding over your head the fact that they can expose you in front of the school or they can go to your parents and say, oh, look what your daughter is actually sending to the men on the campus because all of them would have that content. And then it's your word, one person's word, against however many people distributed this kind of content and downloaded it from the website themselves. 
When reading this article, I read a story about this one woman, and this is probably the victim story you don't think about. Like, the revenge porn, the nudes, like, you probably might have thought about this at some point or another. But what about victims that are born into this, that are born into sex trafficking, or sold at a really young age? And this woman made a couple of really valid points. One is how monetization on these videos work, and the more views that they get, the more ads they're gonna get on it in order to monetize that content, and then incentivizing you to go for a premium version as well. But then imagine you are as a minor, you finally get yourself out of that sex trafficking situation, And then go online to try to remove all of this content that you never consented to in the first place because, again, you were a minor. Even if you could consent, it's it's still rape, it's still victimization. But then you put yourself in a compromising position because even when I look through these articles on Google, literally I get like a banner saying if you are into looking for children and this kind of content, you should maybe seek help. And then it gives me like resources to seek help. So you are technically doing something illegal if you open these type of videos that are showcasing you in order to report them further. So you are re-victimizing yourself, but you're also a perpetrator in a way because you're seeking this illegal content online, even though it is for the purpose of you finding yourself as a victim in it and removing it. <sighs> There's just no winning. It's just so grim. It's, it's grim from beginning to the end. This video is just next level grim. Now that we have gone through different cases of victims here, what actually happened once women did the work and actually reported this to the police and wanted those videos removed for good? Well, in 2020, 40 women involved with Girls Do Porn filed a lawsuit against MindGeek, that's the company that owns Pornhub and owns other pornography websites. They filed this lawsuit for damages including distress, ostracization, trauma, attempted suicide. This lawsuit claimed that MindGeek definitely knew about Girls Do Porn, that they were sex trafficking, that this was all illegal by 2009 but most definitely by 2016. And this is because in June 2016, four women actually filed a lawsuit in the San Diego Superior Court against the people behind Girls Do Porn. Because if you remember, everything was happening in San Diego hotels. But because Girls Do Porn was a partner of theirs and they were heavily monetizing on them, they refused to remove certain videos until these victims would plead and plead and plead. And even then, they would remove one, it would be uploaded again, and the cycle just continues. The most recent events are the plaintiffs are seeking 80 million in damages. Then that expose came around in December 2020 by New York Times. And then on April the 1st, 2021, 10 more plaintiffs joined the suit, bringing the number up to 50. All of the people that we spoke about when it comes to recruiting are yet to be sentenced. One of them, the CEO, whatever you want to call it, the founder of Girls Do Porn, is actually still on the FBI most wanted list. He just fled the country as soon as this started happening, and he has still not been found. I have researched this today, and I think this is still accurate information, and it kind of scares me, because he is on on that particular most wanted list by the FBI since, like, 2019. I'm like, for two years. 
you have not found a man. Because from what I have read, he is technically bankrupt. And also abroad, I bet that FBI seized his bank accounts so he can't use his own money. So who is funding him? Where is he living and how? It wouldn't surprise me, knowing how this company operated, that that has been premeditated and that he has had the escape plan hatched and that he probably has a bank account somewhere abroad that maybe people are not aware of in one of these Jonathan Mike names. But it's kind of scary that this sleazebag has still just not been caught for about two years. So the photographer and the reference girls, like all of their trials are being just postponed because of COVID. But I think they should happen actually in April if they don't postpone them again. So we might have an update here soon in terms of what sentence they receive. Some good news with regards to the victims in this case. In January 2020, the women in the trial were awarded 12 million in damages, 9 for compensatory damages, and around 3 million in punitive damages. And on top of that, finally, somebody decided, oh, they should be given the ownership of their own videos. Wow. Wow, it only took how many years? Pornhub exists since like 2007. How do you not have things like this in place? I, it just, it bothers me on so many levels. The ruling also ordered defendants to remove all images and videos from websites that are under their control and to take action to remove them from other websites as well. So that it's not victims removing their own content and chasing all of these other websites. No, it's actually the people who own them they should remove them. Something that I will never be able to comprehend, but according to the sources of today, it is true, and that is that girls do porn is still able to operate. They have to state that all of the videos are going to be published online. They have to make the name of the models clear on the website, making sure that it's consensual as a change of what they have done in the past. They need to issue people with copies of the contracts before they actually arrive on the location and to make sure that by signing those contracts, their names can actually be used and published online. Again, just making sure that everything is consensual, something that they haven't been proven to be able to do so far. So I'm not sure why are we giving them the opportunity, but hey, they can still operate. A couple of things that added to this suit and that actually brought this into the public eye, and that is that people started backing out from Pornhub. And by people, I mean credit card companies. From PayPal to Visa to MasterCard. Honestly, I'm not sure that I fully understand how people still pay for the premium content there because all of those cards have literally like backed out. You can't use any of those cards. You can't use PayPal to pay on these sites. So I'm not sure how they're really monetizing now, if not only through ads, which is probably plenty already. But it just goes to show that these websites will only act and only change something once it hurts their pocket. Because what happened is that only as of December, that is December 2020, like a couple of months ago, Pornhub requires users to upload documents to actually verify their own identity. Like 2021, he exists for like 14 years. But just to show you that the other websites are not following suit because, again, we didn't hurt them where it actually hurts, and that is their pocket. You can still use Visa or MasterCard to pay for any pornographic content on any other MindKick websites. As an average consumer, you're not going to be a diehard loyal customer to Pornhub. 
To finalize this topic, let's identify a few main issues we spoke about because they might overlap in our next topic of the day. The first one is understaffing in order to maximize the profit. As you probably know, and you're wondering why I haven't mentioned it yet, all of these websites have moderators, have people doing the audits for them. When when this expose came around, the writer behind that article actually questioned like how many moderators other websites have, just sort of to make a comparison. So MindGeek has given him the information that they have 80 moderators worldwide. 80. Mm -hmm. For all of their websites, they have 80. In comparison, Facebook has around 15,000. Do we see the problem? When you put that into perspective, when you actually put that into numbers, there is 10 people going through around 1,100 minutes of content each hour. So that's all these moderators just sitting there skipping through content and be like, okay, on the surface, you know, these minutes that I have skipped, it looks fine, cool, approve. But they also have no idea how old these victims in the videos are. And also by skipping through content, I mean, I don't have to tell you that if you skip through an hour of content, what do you actually consume? If you skip through all of this video and just watch about five minutes of it, do you really know what this video is about as a whole? Do you really have all of the facts, all of the data? Most probably not. But on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, just as the reference girls, they are incentivized to actually approve the content because, of course, they get bonus for it. So they are incentivized by their contracts not to scrutinize too much on their content in order to get that yearly bonus. So, of course, it is in their own best intention to approve as much as possible. Next one is a big one, and I have mentioned it probably multiple times during this video. You're probably fed up of it, but it is the option to download this content. If it's already premium, I genuinely do not understand this. If people are already paying for premium content and in order to avoid the ads, then just watch it online, bro. No, this shouldn't be an option in general because it just allows for further exploitation, but also it doesn't make sense to me from the business point of view. Why would you want one paying customer to distribute the content to, I don't know, how many people that are not paying? That's a potential loss of business, even if you're just looking at it from only a monetary point of view. And another point here that I haven't mentioned through the video, and that is that their audits work for them, not just in the sense of moderation that I already spoke about, but in a sense of self-reporting. So a lot of these companies are held accountable and they have to report if they have these incidents themselves. And if they just report zero, well, nobody's going to believe that, especially if you are a website holding pornographic content. So again, for comparison, Facebook reported 84 million instances of child sexual abuse material. Guess how many Pornhub reported in that same period of time? 118. Yes, that is already 118 too many. But you can't tell me that this seems like a correct ratio to anybody. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens when it comes to this suit in terms of, well, the money they're going to pay off. Like, are there going to be any long-term repercussions when it comes to Pornhub? Because the truth of the matter is the victims in these stories are never getting older. In fact, the victims of this exploitation are only younger and younger in age. 
And now to show you what happens once the perpetrators are able to have a platform and monetize on this kind of content, let's talk about Peter Scully. So here let's start the same way we started in the first story, and that is with scouting of the victims. Peter Scully, who was native of Australia, was living in the Philippines at the time. And at this moment in 2015, he was living in the Philippines with two of his girlfriends. It was a bit of a strange arrangement because he picked these two girls on the street when they were young, really young, and ever since then he had a really bizarre relationship with them. In certain instances he acted towards them as a father, he was providing a roof over their head, he was giving them food and like most amenities that other children in Philippines just don't have. But then, on the other hand, he also started grooming them and sexually abusing them and raping them ever since he has taken them home. So, by this point, one of his girlfriends was 17 years old, and Peter has basically been just telling them stories, preparing them for this scouting event, telling these two girls that he really wants to adopt children. What we know about pedophiles is that usually once the victims get older, they're not of their preferred age and they start looking for somebody younger. These two probably didn't know that, but he told Alvarez, you are gonna go onto the streets and don't come back if you don't bring me two girls aged around 10 to 12. This is, this is my preference. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking to adopt these girls, to provide them shelter, kind of like the same way I have done towards the two of you. Look how good you have it. But also he threatened Alvarez and told her not to come back home or expect to have a roof above her head if she doesn't come back with these two girls. So Alvarez goes to this mall in the center of the town and there she knew who she was looking for. She looked for the children that were kind of like in shabby clothes, that looked hungry and that would be easy targets. And she found those two easy targets in Daisy, who was 11, and Queenie, who was 10. She took them around the mall, buying them food, buying them sweets, building rapport with them. Again, kind of like in the first story, just in a different country, in different circumstances, and with different victimology. And of course, once you give these unsuspecting children food, you give them candy, you buy them anything, they will go home with you, where you promise them shelter and where you promise them even more food to be given to them. So once they were at Peter Scully's house, Peter just joined and they all ate like one big happy family. But then a switch flipped for Peter and he asked the girls to get naked, to strip for him, and then he started taking pictures of them. And then it escalated. I will now put the timestamp on the screen just in case you want to skip through this part. It is gruesome. It is still not the most gruesome part that you will hear in this video, but it is still graphic. It just explains the abuse that these girls have gone through. He forced these two cousins to bathe together, to perform sexual acts on each other, and to perform oral sex on him while he was videotaping all of this. One of the cousins, Daisy, actually said that Peter Scully would just continue the abuse regardless. The girlfriends did participate, but they were more there to keep the screams down. So Daisy said that she screamed herself, 
but one of the girlfriends was just keeping the pillow sort of above her head, smothering her, trying to muffle the screams as Peter just continued the abuse. And in order to keep them docile, in order to keep them silent, they would also force feed them alcohol or just drugs in order for them to be just passive and just not screaming during this abuse. The next day, Peter brought the two of them into the garden and asked them to start digging a hole. And then he explained to them that this hole is going to be their grave because he plans to kill them. A few days into this abuse, one of the girlfriends came home and she kind of just had a moment, I don't know, pity, common sense, I don't know what it is, because she saw these two girls with like collars around their neck. And she just, in that moment of pity, just like took their collars off so that they could move freely around the house. But these two girls spotted that she left the door open behind and they just ran. And they ran into the nearby food market to their parents. And the parents were obviously worried that two of them were missing and they immediately went to the police. So the police came and raided the shit out of Peter Scully's home. Once the police raided his home, they obviously started looking into his record. And they realized that Peter had criminal record in Australia. In Australia, he set up this home buying scheme that was targeting poor people who could not qualify for loans to purchase their homes. This was successful for him, at least, because he managed to defraud 20 investors and got around $2.6 million out of it. But another part of his criminal history really screamed at the police, and that was that even in Australia, he was famous for dating a Malaysian girlfriend, I think, in this instance. So, a girlfriend that was underage, but also from an Asian background. And he was also famous for pimping her out to his friends at parties as well. So, decent character. And as the police at the station is kind of looking into his background, the police on the location found his computer and they brought this to, like, the forensic, to the cyber people, and they're like, okay, this creep is going to have some dark history online. I haven't read this part anywhere, but this is how, in my mind, they tracked him down, because we need to talk about dark web. So, the way I think it probably worked is that somebody checked his bank statements, and they realized that he is getting payments for certain services that are all under the same reference. That is No Limits Fun, which was his production company. So, then they searched the web to find the corresponding website, and that is when they had to go to the dark web to find his production company. So, let me just briefly touch upon the dark web and what's the difference between the web you're using now, the deep web, and the dark web. So, there's this really great graph online that I'm going to put into this video. It's kind of like an iceberg, where the surface web is just maybe like 10 to 20% of what we can actually access online. And that's stuff that you can Google, and then you get pages and pages of search, and you and me can both do it. No invitation, no particular privileges, you just need to have the access to Wi-Fi or data, and you're ready to go. 
Then you have the deep web. So here, think like the clubhouse of the internet. You need to have invites to access them. So think certain things like FBI files or your medical records. So documents that are not illegal to access, but that you shouldn't be able to access because of data protection, because you need to be the person in power to either have the access to certain data and also you shouldn't be able to access everybody's data in that particular pool. And then the last one, you have the dark web. We spoke about the dark web once before when I told you the story about Bessa Mafia. So it is exactly what you think it is. Hitman for hire, human trafficking, organ trafficking, or certain things like videos containing pedophilia. And the content of the bottom of this iceberg is most definitely illegal. And the trick is that you can't be tracked. So you are using different browsers, completely different IP blockers, so that nobody can track where these videos are posted from, where they're coming from, and how. As this is happening, the police is managing to connect him to another famous Australian pedophile, Matthew Graham who was only 22 years of age, and he went under the name Lux. And this guy was a special piece of work because he managed... Well, he tried. He tried to convince the police that he created this hardcore website. Hardcore is basically non-simulated pain, often of just children or minors being distributed on the internet. So he said he created her to the core and he helped Peter Scarry distribute some of his videos. Yes, he did, but listen, police, why he did all of this, why he collected videos such as this, is to help you. I am here to help to guide you because, ah, the joke's on you. I'm here exposing all of the bad guys on one platform and then I will go to the police most definitely Definitely, uh-huh, one day, and I will report all of them. Yeah. Did you go to the police, Lex? No, you were caught, you son of a bitch. Now, as a couple of things are happening, the police are on to him, they have his other videos, Lux here is being like, I wanted to expose him forever, here are all of the videos that he has sent me. The Dutch police actually gets in touch. And they actually say they were aware of Scully themselves because the police in Australia, but also the one in the Philippines, did get in touch with them, thinking that somebody in the videos was speaking Dutch. Like, they were trying to figure out what accent or, like, language were people speaking in some of Peter's earlier work. Now you might be wondering, but why, Maya? Why is the police in Europe, on the other side of the world, aware of Peter Scully's earlier work? That is because of a video that surfaced on the internet between 2012 and 2014. And this video made its way all the way, remember that iceberg, from the dark web to the deep web to the surface web. So once this video surfaced, people at first thought it wasn't real, like it was some sci-fi with some sort of morbid animation. They just thought it was more of a legend because it couldn't be real. It was that morbid. This was a four-part film. Each part was about 10 to 15 minutes, so in total about an hour, featuring two grown women and one grown man and three minors. The minors in this video were 12-year-old, 11-year-old, and 18-month-old Daisy.
Women's faces in this video were masked and the men's face was pixelated, but you could see the abuse that happened to the minors. And the video first surfaced on the dark web and it went up for around 10k. So people on these hardcore websites would have to cash out around 10k to watch about an hour of free minors being abused, including an 18-month-old. This video is publicly known as the destruction of Daisy or Daisy's destruction. And now I'm again going to put a timestamp on the screen if you want to skip through the most brutal parts. I just want to mention that even this research provided the bare minimum, let's say, of what happened. Even that is the worst thing that I have ever read online. But still, when you think about it and you think that this was an hour, and that's probably edited, like when you see my content on here, this is not the amount of time that I have actually spent recording. It is edited in a way for me to tell a story, so you know that there is much more to this. But this is briefly just what happened during that video. The video showed Daisy being tied by her feet, being sexually assaulted and beaten. She was also whipped and assaulted by sex toys by both Peter and his girlfriend at the time. That is what we know. It's literally one line and it is still the worst thing that I have ever read online. I had to like visualize even for a brief moment online. And these videos were of course offered as premium content. They boasted to have around 15k views daily and the worst pedophiles, the ones that would upload their own content, would be part of this producer's lounge which would give them the access to the most offensive and the worst of the worst out there on the internet. Now the this has surfaced and reached the Dutch police, they are viewing this video. I mean, I don't know how many people were scarred in the process of this, but they were in particular trying to identify the accents and the languages that people were speaking in the video, because all of these free grown-ass people were dumbasses, and they were just communicating during this hardcore video. Which, I mean, was good for the police. Nothing is good here. They were scarred for life, but you, you get what I mean. It was good for people trying to hunt them down. So they managed to figure out that the two women were most probably from the Philippines, just by the accent, the dialect. But then the guy, they couldn't really pinpoint. Like, his English was really good. So they knew he must have been of, like, an English-speaking country. So, you know, US, UK, Australia, New Zealand. So they kind of sent it to, like, different police stations and their speech interpreters, dialect interpreters, whoever. And then Australians claimed him. And then they looked into, is there anybody that would maybe match a history of this level of gruesome in Australia. And that is how Peter Scully's background surfaced. But I also told them, actually, yes, this kind of individual we are already looking for because he has also fled the country and he has kind of been known for these crimes in Australia already. Just to kind of round up on this Daisy's destruction side of the story, Daisy, from what I read, survived, but she has had lasting damages to her body because she was a toddler when this was happening. But one of the other two miners was actually found in one of those holes that he would make them dig in 2013 once they searched his house this time. 
Now our boy Scully the scumbag reaches the trial. I hope that he has miserable, miserable time in prison for the rest of his days. He managed to avoid the death penalty because I think they eliminated it by that point in Philippines. But he is in the prison in the Philippines. I think I read uh, one of the recent articles. He has complained about the conditions there. Double it up, I say. You're, you're on a good way. I would just go to the prisoners and be like, hey, just a sign to keep up with your doing and just double it up. <laughs> Fuck it up. Each and every day, you make sure you make it worse for him than it was the previous one. Yeah. Because this piece of work, when they arrested him, he actually decided to plead not guilty. Which means that the case had to go to trial, kind of like if you were comparing it to Pornhub, very similar things that are happening, because Pornhub, of course, can't come out and be like, oh no, we're actually a website that allows exploitation of minors, the same way that Peter Scully can't admit to abusing children, because then he's going to be the lowest of the tiers in prison. So all of his victims were forced to testify at trial and just relive their experiences because of this. So in June 2018, Scully was finally sentenced to life in prison. But even though Scully is behind bars, even though the perpetrators of the exploitation of minors in the Pornhub case are also behind bars, this unfortunately doesn't stop here. So let's have a quick blurb on what can be done. What can we actually proactively do? In the description, in the description of this video, I'm going to put some petition. Whether you are pro banning websites like Pornhub or you are more towards ending the victim exploitation, certain resources that came up during my research are going to be in the description box. But the crucial thing, especially when it comes to whether it is dark web and Peter Scully's case or the Pornhub case, it is to ban downloads of the videos for obvious reasons. I have mentioned it about a hundred times during this video. To increase moderation and actually not to be cheap on that part. We know that these are companies worth billions and billions of dollars. And really for them to have less moderators than companies like Facebook or Snapchat, it just doesn't make any sense. This is not the area within the company where you should be saving your funds. And a really important one, only allowing the verified users to post videos. Something that really popped into my head a lot during this video, just because I worked for customer service for years and years now, trust me, please like this video and subscribe if you want to save me from that circle of hell. But a couple of things stood out for me. First of all, the fact that it's 2021 and systems like this exist. I have worked for multiple companies verifying documents where you sort of, as a customer service rep, in the back end, you review the documents, you check that everything is correct, you check that they are of age, that it's a valid document, like passport, and then you compare it to like a video selfie or just a selfie of them that they take, sort of verifying that the person of the document and the person opening that account are the same exact person. And then what happens on the front end, so what the public sees, is just like a tick. It's not like your data is exposed. It's not like your picture is shared or your document is shared. Well, obviously, that is super easy for a user that is on the platform and there's just no justification for something like this not to be introduced. But also, I was thinking, 
further than that in terms of what about the people in the videos. There are multiple websites online, whether it is signing contracts, like when you're onboarding a freelancer, for example, again, something I have experienced where you can have digital signatures, but the person actually needs to sign it before they start working for a company. So why don't they have something like this here? where that person needs to consent for their video to be online and that's available on the front end, again, in a form of a tick or like the person consented, something very minimalistic, but you know that what you're watching is something the person actually consented to and otherwise the video is just not uploaded. The same when it comes to their verification. Again, they just get pinged in their email to upload whether it is their ID or like a consent form confirming that they are happy for their video to be online. And without that, the bare minimum consent, that video is just not going to be uploaded. It just can't until all of the parties literally tick all of the boxes. The video just can't be uploaded. And this is very much possible and very much should be the reality. So the fact that they're not spending money in that area is just always worrying and just makes it very much illegal. But in other ways, what we could do is just saying no and not consuming any content that involves exploitation of minors. Because this is ultimately how they make profits. And it is most definitely how they are making profits now when you can't use Visa or MasterCard or whatever to pay for the services because they're making profits based on views, kind of like a YouTube video where then they add more ads the more views that content gets. So you know how on TikTok people usually joke like this with LinkedIn, which is like, hey, this was to be switched off completely and like, well, we can just pretend it never happened. We can just pretend it never existed. That would be great in terms of a lot of content we spoke about this today, whether it is on Pornhub or whether it is on the dark web. And if you are on any of these websites, just searching for your regular porn, for example, you can report if you see any images or any videos showing exploitation of minors or just anybody that doesn't look like they're a willing participant. You can report it through report.cybertip.org. And finally, what came through my research was simply educating yourself on which companies profit from this kind of exploitation and then making sure that you don't use them or that you are very vigilant in terms of how you use these companies. And the list of these companies can be found on the website nsexualexploitation.org as a dirty dozen list. And when you think about this kind of list, you're probably not thinking about most of the websites that you are probably using on a daily basis, like Amazon Prime or Netflix or Twitter, or just Reddit and Discord, things that are used on a daily basis that really don't have the strict policies in place when it comes to this kind of exploitation and are heavily just exposed on this website. And they have social media platforms like TikTok and Snapchat there on their watch list as well. So they didn't make the dirty dozen list yet, but it's probably close to be honest. Another point that I took away from this research is that these people at the top of these chains don't really care about many of the things I spoke to you about today from the recruiting, the scouting point, to how you're actually getting these women to the location, to these contracts and all of these admin stuff, as long as 
the actual thing that is going to make them the monetary gain happens. And then on the flip side, I don't think we are exploiting that area enough in terms of really cutting them where it hurts. Because no actions have been made in the Pornhub part of that story all the way up until the Visa and MasterCard and all of these payment services just kept backing out. Literally, they haven't made a single change up until that point. And that's where we should really exploit in order to bring changes when it comes to issues like this. And if you leave this video on one single note, this is the one that I would like you personally to be thinking about. Usually when issues like this are spoken about online, it is very much straightforward for the people. Well, if you ban porn, then it all disappears. If you switch Pornhub off, it all disappears. No, we have a much bigger problem. There are multiple websites like this that people would just turn to or would just move away from Pornhub and just go to those. And there is a bigger issue when we're talking about, well, why don't we just ban porn? And that's because it is monetizing the people that are producing it as well. The right way, the legal, consensual way. It is supporting people who are into sex work as well. And this would cut them off their payroll. So that is not the solution either. So this shouldn't be about banning porn, but rather getting justice for victims of sex trafficking, making sure this doesn't happen to anybody else ever again, and making sure that the victims who have already gone through all of this don't end up being re-victimized again. But that is everything I have for you today. How long will this video last? Two hours? One hour and a half? Ugh, who am I to say? <laughs> I'll, I'll see, you'll see it's gonna be a surprise for both of us in a minute. If you're looking for more content that is in this form of an expose of a topic that is lesser known or just not talked about, there are plenty, whether on this channel or on the podcast. I spoke about everything from acid attacks, cannibalism, blue whale challenge, Vesa mafia, probably some more. I dig into different things that people don't want to dig into. And if you do want more of the content like that in this kind of format, well, then make sure you like this video and you subscribe to this channel and you get me out of my customer service wishes. Circle of hell. And I will, in turn, make more videos like this or just anything you want. You know, you're, you're the boss of me, but in a normal, consensual way. Jesus. Get out of it. Get out of here, my end. <laughs> let's, let's get out of this video. And I will see you guys next week. Yeah. Sick. Bye for now. Bye for now. Go, go have a shower. Yeah, I feel dirty after this topic as well. Trust me. Well, light. <laughs> you forget how this is done. Yep, really, because the light is not even in. <laughs> yeah, everyone. <laughs> is this thing on? Oh, you're too pale. Do you see how I hid my internet route? <laughs> so that I'm hiding in the background. Listen, this is not a live topic. I don't even know how to... I don't even know how to start. Okay, let's expose the dirt of the internet. Let's do it. Even as I'm saying it, I never know is it Craigslist or Craigslist. <laughs> Fuck this website. Craigslist, yeah. Okay, good. Nailed it. Round of applause, tap yourself on the shoulder. <laughs> you bit feisty there, you bit angry there. Yeah. Please fucking find these fuckers. Creeps. Always it's it's always the John Marks and Mikes, okay, of the internet. If you choose for your fake name to be like John Mark or Mike, 
you can't be trusted. You can't. You simply cannot be trusted. Like, you could be anybody in the world. You can literally be, like, the name you always wanted and you choose to be, like, Mike. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it says everything about you. If I manage to pass one point across in this video, it's never just send nudes. Static or non-static? Static video? No. Your face must never be in it because then they're gonna ask you for a face and then you tell them to F off. If the man cannot take no as an answer, they're the type of men that are going to do things like this. Just, just saying. It's, it's very simple to, to point out. If a man can't say no, then that man is going to be salty after the relationship and also engage in revenge porn. I don't have any sort of loyalty towards Pornhub or, I don't know, YouTube. <laughs> I have all my, my utmost loyalty towards YouTube. YouTube, do not remove this video, I beg of you. I have researched this for like seven hours. <sighs> I beg of you. Where is it? You porn? Is it? Wow, someone's rusty on the porn. Okay. Okay. Just watch some diehard Pornhub fans come after me, like in the comments, be like, actually, you are wrong. We live and breathe for this website. Be like, please find another hobby, please, for the love of God, you kind. Just, just find another hobby, please. Kind of think like when you join a members club on somebody's channel on YouTube, but just like 20 times less innocent than that. Yeah, that was such a comparison. Why do you always have to make an analogy? Like, how do the two compare? They don't compare. I love how you're wondering why is it so loud. It's literally like a rush hour. Maya, why? Like, why did this take me? Everything is taking me twice the amount of time to do it. <sighs> I have anger management issues. <laughs> Put it on a shirt, bitch. <laughs>